Welcome to Electric Liberty Land here on the Lions of Liberty podcast, your weekly shot of culture, comedy, and liberty with your host, Brian McWilliams. What's happening, lovers of liberty and electricity? I am here, Brian McWilliams, with the one and the only Matt Kibbe, the president of Free the People, the host of Kibbe on Liberty, and a man who I become quite fond of, despite the fact that he has a mustache that he fishes with regularly. Matt, what's up, man? Good to see hey, you. Hey, how's it going? And I'll, I'll, <laughs> I think my Canadian, Scottish, whatever that accent is that Cullum has, I'll 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 do my best, but we'll we'll see what happens. I know we're supposed to have Colum Nicholson, Nicholson, Doctor Colum Nicholson. Nick, I can't say Doctor, his name. Doctor, doctor to you, sir. Colum, yeah, Doctor to me. Doctor Colum Nicholson, who also, you know, Matt and I had become friends with Colum over in Austria. We were there for the Austrian Economics Conference, and uh, and of course we did that great Kibbe on Liberty episode where we were uh, trying to. Uh, reinvoke the demons that had possessed us in conversation at that event. But uh, he's supposed to be coming. We pushed it back for the Prince of Budapest or Budapest, however you like to say it. We rescheduled the show one time and now we push it back an hour. He's still not here. It's Budapest to you, sir. <laughs> Budapest. By the way, Budapest mode. Yeah. Just run that idea. Pie. Can we make that? There is, there a, is there a Hungarian cover band? Yeah. I remember um, this reminds me of I actually like uh, the spontaneous <laughs> emergence of, of chaos that that sometimes turns into something interesting. But uh, I I did a panel of uh, congressmen at Freedom Fest a couple years ago now, I guess. And and one of the guys was late and I'm like, we got a tight deadline. We're just going to roll without him. And he's, he sort of, I won't name his name, but he sort of comes stumbling up on stage. It wasn't <laughs> it wasn't one of my usual like I. Terry and I have a joke at our house that we only allow four uh, politicians into our house. And you might imagine who they are. It's uh, Rand Paul, Mike Lee, Thomas Massey. And the fourth actually was Justin Amash. Um, I had Tom Hanks over for dinner last night. Just saying. <laughs> but, well, I, I'm not sure I'd, I'd allow Tom Hanks in my house. I, mean, I, <laughs> I don't know if I would either. <laughs> there, there would be a rigorous interview process. But, you know, you never let a vampire into the house because once they're inside, they can create all sorts of chaos. Um, but anyway, this other guy um, eventually showed up and, and the chaos of the whole thing actually, I think, adds, added some excite, excitement to an otherwise boring discussion about uh, legislative priorities on Capitol Hill, which is never a fun subject. No, and that's what we had planned for today before this, obviously, anarchical uh, event came to be with Colin being late. But no, you know, Colin will join us, I'm sure. We can talk about before that. And, and also, so we had scheduled this podcast a few weeks ago. I got sick. Right. Because I had I had diverticulitis and I was told by Terry, uh, Matt's uh, paramour, that he also had a situation that, that, number one, it was good that I took care of it. Right. Because I was in pain. Right. My belly was full of, I don't know, nut clusters, you know, honey bunches of oats had been lodged in my uh, lower intestine and uh, <laughs> my doctor's diagnosis, nuts and honey. Um, so <laughs> if anybody remembers that commercial, so I was told though, that you were extra stupid and you have a funny story to tell about this because I need to hear about your number one intestinal problems as a man who has them often. And number two, about being an idiot, which I can always get behind. Yeah. And, and by the way, I'd like not to stereotype, but I think men are generally idiots when it comes to personal health. And, and I wear that, um, as a badge of honor and, and I've, I've actually been a health idiot all my life. And, and before I tell you the story about, so, so I ended up with uh, appendicitis. Um, that's and, what I thought I had. Yeah, that's what that, I thought I had. And that's the story that, that you want to hear. But uh, many years before that, I ended up with stage four cancer. Obviously, um, this isn't going to be a sad story because I'm still here. Start, no, it's sad for some people. It depends yeah. on what spectrum you're on politically. It depends depends where you're coming from. I, I may have more enemies <laughs> and friends at this point in my life, but uh, I, I ignored it for the longest time. And eventually, I went into the diet and I, and I felt like crap, as you would with stage four cancer. And I eventually went in and said, what's that? And it was a, this huge tumor in my abdomen that I had succeeded in ignoring probably for years. Um, so I have a long history of ignoring um, uh, deadly things that are happening to my body. So fast forward to um, this appendicitis attack. Um, I, 
you know, at that point you can, you can feel every ache and pain and said, Oh my God, the cancer's back or something stupid right, like yeah, that. Yeah. Right. And I was attributed to old age. Like you're getting old and that kind of thing. So, I, but I finally went to the doctor and she's like, wow, <laughs> you should go to the hospital right now. Um, because it had gotten completely infected and inflamed. I, I texted Terry. Terry was in a meeting or something. Um, I got to go to the hospital. Um, I'll let you know what's going on, which wives love those messages. <laughs> Is that the best? Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, the next message. So, so I got to the hospital. They did um, a CAT scan, I guess, and discovered that it was so infected that they couldn't do surgery on it. But the last text that Terry got was, I may be going dark for a while. I'm going into surgery. Oh God, and, man. Like, ta- so tactful. I love it. This so is she, after this is after you had cancer and, yeah, yeah. Sudden, and she's been go- going through the scare before. Wonderful. Really considerate. Yeah. And and this was, I think this was also after um, you know, one of the one of the consequences of having major surgery, which I did during cancer you get scar tissue and scar tissue had blocked my intestines. I have, I have more intestinal problems than you do, pal. Wow. And, That's and, a bold statement, man. I don't, I don't know if you could back that up. So like, just, I, I have a long history of, of, of ignoring substantial problems and then ending up in the hospital. So, and I'll cap it off with this story. Um, I think, I think we talked about it last time, but i only on my show. Do I talk about the fact that that my wife bullied me into being vaccinated. I got the Johnson and Johnson vaccine and um, fast forward a year later, I'm reading about all of these heart issues. Right. Yeah. And, and so like for reasons I don't fully understand my, my heart was racing even when I'm sitting around reading a book. So I went to the doctor to get, what are they called? EKGs EKG, or something. Yeah. And, and there was nothing, it was, it was nothing. I was probably drinking too much coffee or something. So then I felt like kind of a pussy for going in over over something that was nothing. So it's it's a it's a dilemma. Like do you do you become a hypochondriac or do you just suck it up like a man and sort of grip through <sighs> Dude, it? I, I, I know. know. I I have the same conundrum constantly. Like well, for example, so I got the Pfizer vaccine, right? And we were talking about this cuz and I got it specifically to go to Austria, which I guess there's a silver lining and that we became friends there. But uh, my heart, I honestly, I swear to God, man, same thing. My heart yeah. rate's raised. I had high blood pressure. I went into the doctor for the, for the diverticulitis shit. And they take my blood pressure. It's like 150 over whatever, nine, like crazy high. I'm like, oh, well, that's a first. My heart rate is elevated. I'm having like, you know, like if I'm working out and I have any coffee, like my heart like will skip beats. And I've never had this in my life. And I 100% attribute it to the fucking vaccine. Like 100%. And I, you know, it's like you're seeing this, um, um, it's, and this would probably be the the theme for today's conversation. Um, when I, I finally decided to get vaccinated and it, 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 Terry didn't bully me into it, but that's a joke, but, um, she had to do it, um, for international travel that she was going to do. And I thought to myself quite rationally, if she turns into a zombie, I'm going to be have to be the asshole husband that puts her down. And I've seen those movies. Those are sad movies. It's not fun uh, doing that to a spouse <laughs> that you otherwise love, even if well, she's Terry's a zombie. good looking too. If they're ugly, you know, yeah. you kill her and you move on and Hey, it's a win-win, right? I mean, so <laughs> like, I, I figured, how, many, how many husbands have dreamed of their wives becoming zombies? So they can just put them down and move on to a hotter chick. Well, or like <laughs> maybe there's a hot zombie fantasy in there somewhere. I'm sure. I'm sure. <laughs> sure. There's many fan <laughs> fictions out there, which we can stumble across at any moment. <laughs> yeah. We should uh, please Google that stuff. But maybe uh, that's the topic of the show. We should just read zombie fan fiction, but yeah, please continue. I, I, I love my wife so much that I said, you know, if we're going to go zombie, let's go zombie together <laughs> and we'll s- s- uh, stumble off to zombie heaven. And, and uh, frankly, being a zombie the last two years might've been better than, than watching real people behave the way they did. So maybe, maybe I missed the boat on that. I don't know. Yeah, man. I don't, well, you know, it's like, we're talking about the way people behave. Right. And we're looking at, you know, let's talk a little bit about the Ukraine situation right now and the way people are behaving as we wait for column to get into the true debate topic, which is of course, cats versus dogs, which I have plenty of notes on, you know, column doesn't have to be here for that. Um, so, I'm just blown away. Like I said, what you know, one of the topics I want to talk about today is what's your favorite piece of propaganda? Because uh, there's, I've never in my life experienced something where I do not know 
what to believe at any point in time. Like I just read a story that the Russians bombed a theater, which has been housing hundreds of people as a shelter, right? My immediate reaction to that is bullshit. Right. Sounds like bullshit. So like, I mean, what are your thoughts on this? Like, who do you trust? Who do you read? And what's your favorite piece of propaganda you've seen so far? So like uh, the, the, I have, I have a theory about this and, and there's an upside and a downside of this theory, but this is the first war that we're living through. That's essentially a Twitter war. The, the war and the narrative of the war is being litigated through Twitter. And on the downside, you can get everybody to freak out. And I, I think within 24 hours, um, all the same folks that had re- had their their pictures with a mask on, probably double masked, probably yeah. triple vaxxed, they replaced it with the Ukraine flag. And first of all, I think it's bizarre that that people jump from from one cause to another cause without perhaps even knowing where Ukraine was on the map. And and I, I should I should add that I have friends in in Kiev right now. Um, I've I've been to Kiev and Ukraine I think four times, uh, speaking on on this thing called the Free Market Roadshow. Um, I have another friend whose father was killed by the Russians in Ukraine just a couple days ago. Oh, wow. So I, I'm not at all uh, discounting um, that Putin is evil and this invasion is horrific. But um, why why do we on Twitter care so much about this one and not say Yemen and not say fill in the blank? There's, there's probably a dozen places across the globe where uh, horrific, horrific things are happening to people every day. So, so one of the downside of that is that we all went team Ukraine without even questioning the narrative. Um, we, we all, we, the, the, the Royal, we started sharing pictures of Zelensky in his, in his, in his war gear, which turns out to have been taken in like ago. a couple of years ago. <laughs> and it, for all I know, it was probably um, Prada war gear because it, right. it, looked, it looked really good on him. But, but I, I don't know what my favorite piece is, but the 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 upside to the downside is that um, I think more of us, a lot of us, particularly over time, are going to discover that every fact that we get on Ukraine and Russia is perhaps and maybe probably propaganda. And we're going to learn um, in a way that we couldn't have even in Kosovo. But go mm-hmm. back even further when when the when the corporate media was telling you, and you, that was their only access to what was going on during wartime, uh, you were stuck with their narrative. And, and I suspect that uh, the military industrial complex has always corrupted the narrative. I don't think this is a new thing. We're just seeing it roll out on Twitter now. And if we can become a little more discerning, that might actually be a good thing. Yeah, for sure. Well, it's, it's always become the corporate military industrial complex now too. You know, it's like, I was just looking at Boston, you know, all the skylights are now blue and yellow and corporations are pulling out, you know, Coca-Cola, McDonald's shut down their, uh, you know, their, their restaurants, which what tangible effect is that going to have? I, I, you know, on, on a war, the Russian people, are we going to pretend that the Russian people have any sort of input into what Putin does? That, yeah. that Russia is not a default dictatorship. I mean, come on. The guy kills, jails, you know, puts nuclear poisons into people to give them cancer. We're, we're to expect that any sort of sanctions on the corporate level are supposed to impact these people is just insane. But, you know, to your point, I also agree. Putin's not a good guy, but it's just it, that's where it doesn't help to have this propaganda come out like the ghost of Kiev. Right. You know, that story about these, this this uh, Ukrainian fighter pilot that shot down six Russian jets. And then the funniest thing to me was this comedian. What is his name? Like Sam Highland or something. I emailed it to myself. But this comedian, every time they try to find like if it's a mass shooting, if it's a uh, an unknown suspect or the ghost of Kiev, apparently there's a comedian named Sam something or other who <laughs> he goes out there and puts out a fake thing, a fake news story saying, we figured out who the ghost of Kiev is. <laughs> it's his picture. And people ran with it. You know, all these media sources are saying, this is the ghost of Kiev, which is number one, a fake story. And number two, it's a comedian trolling people. Yeah. Like, that's how perverted this, <laughs> this news cycle has become. Well, it's like um, we can we should spend some time pissing on the corporate media. And I do think that there's... You know, you don't have to be a grand conspiracy theorist. You could be more of an Adam Smith conspiracy theorist that says that it's sort of the natural um, tendency of, of businessmen to collude to fix prices 
you could say the same thing about chasing government dollars and and um, perhaps in the last two years, um, without even looking at the data, I can predict that there's two key sources of advertising for corporate media and social media. One would be NIH and NIH-affiliated nonprofits, uh, pharmaceutical companies when it comes to COVID. And on this, clearly, um, going back to football games, but clearly the military-industrial complex and all of the all of the military building machinery guys, um, they're spending big bucks mm -hmm. sh shaping the narrative. And you don't have to, um, well, you do have to be sort of um, a person of integrity not to get pushed in a certain direction when, when, you're, when your budget is defined by people that have an agenda. And that's, yeah. I, think, I think that's a real problem that's going on. And the military has been very crafty um, um, embedding themselves in our cultural institutions, everything from football to the nightly news. And I think that's absolutely going on now. Yeah, well, think about it. even the airlines, right? You fly anywhere. What do you hear every time? Okay, well, let's welcome our service members aboard. You know, it's like it, they, they've gotten their hands into everything or even you're seeing the privileges or the thank yous, you know, to your point. Um, I would say the narrative controlling, right? I mean, let's let's leverage this and, and talk a little bit into social media. Like, because the last time we spoke, we were talking about how we have a diversification of media, right? Which is a great thing. But now we're also seeing the diversification of media, but now it's being controlled in such a specific fashion, wherein before it was COVID, right? And now we've pivoted to social media companies controlling, removing content that doesn't go with the government narrative on the Ukraine or on Ukraine. Like YouTube now pulls down content that doesn't respond with the government narrative handed down by the U.S. government. I mean, this is a perversion of everything that we hold dear in regards to, like we're saying, the diversification of what now? Because they're clamping down on it. Yeah. And and was it was it YouTube or or some other platform that announced that that they were suddenly, I think it was Google, they were suddenly going to allow uh, celebratory posts about the actual Nazi wing of the Ukraine army. And I, I don't know, I know that it's real. I know that it is a minority within Ukraine, but why the fuck would Google decide that we can celebrate those guys? I don't get it. Yep. That Twitter also, uh, it might even be uh, Facebook too. I heard a similar story where they said, you can celebrate the killing of Russian soldiers, right? And, and usually they say, you can't celebrate killing anybody. You can't threaten. No, no. It's fine if it's killing Russians in the Ukraine, not vice versa though. Yeah. And and by the way, the stupidest version of that, um, I mean, I get like, I I read posts from my friend who's who's still in Ukraine. <laughs> my, she, my, oh, okay. I think you're going the other way. I read posts from my friend who's an idiot. And, uh, <laughs> well, there's, there may be one or two of those. Um, and, and they may think the same about me, but she is, she is literally fleeing the Russians. She, she fled Kiev a couple days ago. And, and, is you know, this her, one that was on your, sh on yeah, your show? Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. Let's say, was it Natalia? Natalia, whose yes. last name I can't pronounce well, but right. <laughs> yeah, of course. Go, uh, go on yeah, my, I, was, like, I listened to that. Yeah. It was a, it was a really interesting episode. Yeah, and, and her perspective. I at the time I thought um, I don't believe anything that's going on, but I think it would be really interesting to talk to the head of the free market think tank in Kiev, who would have a very personal on the ground perspective on what was going on from her per perspective. And there were like there were bomb sirens going on in the middle of this, and and. You know, Natalia was was gonna was gonna stick with Kiev, but at this point, it's gotten so unsafe that she has fled um, to another city in in a safer area. So I I get her perspective. She she wants to kill every Russian invader, um, and and I think if 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 some foreign army was invading my home, I would be in the same camp. That's that's a very different perspective than than say we as Americans should have, because um, we are a nuclear power and, and Putin has nuclear weapons. And one of the most fascinating and bizarre and, and dangerous and perhaps evil perspectives I've seen is a number of those blue check 
Twitter experts saying, you know what? World War III is worth it in this case. Yeah. And I'm like, you you can't possibly understand what you're saying. Otherwise, you're a monster. But, um, you know, our job is to cool the waters. Our job is to try to find a diplomatic way to get those bastards out of Ukraine. But escalating and sending more weapons, I'm, I'm not sure that, that that we're actually helping the people that we say we're trying to help. And, and we certainly haven't given any consideration to the short, mid, and long-term consequences of, of all of this saber-rattling that, that we're seeing from, from particularly nutty members of Congress. Yeah, agreed. Well, you know, it's interesting in that the Ukraine right now, they're fighting back tooth and nails. You said, and as I would do, if anybody invaded this country, I'd respond in the same fashion. But also to your point, it does seem as though it is a hopeless fight if there's not boots on the ground from NATO, which that's a red line we're not, thank God, not crossing, it does seem like it's a hopeless effort. So we're sending in weapons, we're sending in money, we're sending in, which of course all that money you know, is probably getting filtered to oligarchs in the Ukraine. It's a very corrupt government as we know. Are we just setting these people up to fail? You know, it's like there was a meme, uh, you know, I, I, I'll fight, or I'll, something like I'll fight until every last Ukrainian is dead as an American, you know, it's, it's perverse. Whereas maybe the best situation is them for just lose quickly and get it done with, and then, you know, figure shit out. I mean, I I think, uh, obviously I I think Ukraine should decide for itself and, and the people should have an input on that. This isn't, this isn't about Zelensky, you know, Zelensky's incentives might be quite perverse at this point because he's been so bellicose. Um, He's like, you know what? I'm, probably dead if i don't win and oh, yeah and so so his incentives are are quite different um but there's you know i'm there's always a deal to be cut um and i'm not i'm not even going to suggest what it is because that's up to them not us but what is up to us is how much we're willing to risk american lives in this conflict and and i i think um, which I guess is always true during war. Um, you know, the the first when when the the propaganda machine sort of whips everybody up and they're like, America, fuck yeah. Um, they're they're willing to do anything. And I've seen some polls, pretty scary polls that people are are in on putting troops on the ground and and th- they'll change their minds soon enough. But and and this this might be a nice segue to Mitt Romney. The the question is ultimately. Whose kids are you putting on the line? Are you putting your kids on the line? Or are you going to put somebody else's kids on the line? And there was this fascinating Rasmussen poll that you might have seen that showed the uh, demographics of uh, the financial demographics of, of who supported a more bellicose position vis-a-vis Russia. And the more money you made, the more you wanted to go to war. And it immediately said, I immediately said, and this, this I'm sort of turning into a Bernie bro at this point, like that's the laptop class. Those are the people like Mitt Romney who didn't have to serve. His kids didn't have to serve. They like, if, if you have, if you're a person of means, you have a way of even avoiding the draft, which thank God we don't have right now. But the, there does seem to be, again, this have and have nots where, were the same people that wanted to lock down, except for the people that had to l- deliver their Uber food to the front door, they're now like they, they seem more hot to trot about war. And I think it's, yeah. um, I think I think there's a potentially um, new political coalition here that I, I call it libertarian populist, and and the, the same thing is tracking where where the the well healed, connected, call them what you want. I call them laptop class. They're they're the blue checks, whatever that is. Um, they are much more willing to sacrifice other people for whatever the cause of the day is. Yeah, amen. I mean, whether it's politics, whether it's climate, whether it's culture warfare, whether it's literal warfare, they are without a doubt willing. I mean, I made this point. I I was on a... uh, a comedy debate. I did comedy, then debated with the, a couple of UCLA professors, and it was about climate. And I made the point that they are essentially right. All these people that are the progressive spectrum, they're arguing we need to get rid of fossil fuels, we need to crack down and force people out of it. And I said, well, basically, what you're advocating for is destroying people that do not have the privilege we have. Right? We've we've been able to evolve. We've used fossil fuels to get where we are. We are America because of fossil fuels. These emerging nations, you're happy to sacrifice them. 
basically because you're concerned about global warming and you know, you want to protect your own ass, but fuck those people. And yeah. it seems similar. I mean, with the war in Ukraine, it's just bizarre to me how these people have globbed onto it. But I also wonder if it's just the laptop class imbibes media in a different way. You know, social media, they're just, they're so susceptible to the propaganda from the mainstream media, from their internet friends to, you know, I never saw a, uh, a profile picture change. They didn't absorb and immediately identify as, and I, it's bizarre to me because you'd see, you'd think it would go counter to every instinct they would have as progressives. Yeah. And it's, um, it, it may be like, I, I do think that, um, at least until recently, until until lockdowns, I think there was an element of truth in, in a lot of AOC's complaints about uh, the lack of dignity in American culture. And it's not for the reasons she says, but I think I think our our lack of purpose had been in large part driven by the fact that we don't worry about feeding our kids. We don't worry about um, the basics of human existence in America anymore. And our mm-hmm. our poor our poor people are rich compared to the yeah. uh, rich people in other countries. Um, you know, COVID changed all that and it, it created this have and have not system. Um, and um, when you were talking about this, I was immediately thinking of Pete Buttigieg um, telling everyone to buy an electric yeah. car. <laughs> um, and that, and I was repeated by the energy S- secretary, what's her name? Grenholm or something like that. And how out of touch are they that their idea of a solution to this is for everyone to buy an incredibly expensive car that you can't even drive in most places in America because there's not an inconceivable right, lack of, of, yeah, there's not, it's not there. <laughs> and, and that to me is, is how the elites think of the rest of us. Like, yeah, grow my food. Yeah. Drive the truck, but, but keep your mouth shut and let us, let us make these decisions for you. I think people are right to be pissed about that elitism. Yeah, by all means. And I think they are pissed. I I mean, it seems to me that even though we, again, that that Rasmussen poll blew my mind uh, when I see these people supporting this this war in Ukraine. But I also think, though, from a fundamental level, that the people that are being polled in those circumstances are not really representative. It's kind of like the Donald Trump thing, right? They're polling people, but it's not really who's out voting. It's like who's sitting at home answering their phone. Uh, yeah. Old people that don't that just are desperate to talk to any any human contact, right? They'll, they'll keep these pollsters on the phone as long as they can. If anybody calls me, I'm not picking it up. I'm not filling out online polls. I have time. You know, give me a break. So I don't think it's representative, and I do think that people are resenting. The elites still even more so to this day, resenting the elites and what's happening, especially with gas prices skyrocketing, with food prices skyrocketing. And now, I mean, do you think the average American is dumb enough to believe that Putin is to blame for gas prices now? No, I I don't. And I think that um, Biden and his his lackeys look ridiculous calling. What are they calling it? uh, Putin's. Price increase, or yeah, they have, the, they have the, a hashtag, I, right? I, I heard they were even telling TikTok influencers they had it in the yeah. White House. They're like, blame it on Putin. <laughs> yeah, blame it on Putin. And <laughs> and they actually said in their original, I think they've stopped this, but their original argument was it was the ramping up to war that Putin started, where the 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 gas prices started spiking. So if <laughs> if that's the definition, you could go back to 2014 or something like that. Yeah. Um, I don't, I don't think people buy it. And even if they do buy it, the, the fact is when it comes to politics, um, the president and the party in power is held accountable for people's, um, economic position in life and how they feel about it. And all of the, all of the jawboning and lecturing about how they're better off than they are, they should just switch to an, an electric car or, or maybe, maybe they're just too spoiled to, to go to the grocery store and expect to be able to buy certain things, um, that is poison in the elections. And I think, I think this is kind of a one, two punch, you know, Biden promised us to, to, that he was going to be the adult in the room when it came to foreign policy, um, whether or not Putin is his fault or not, um, voters are going to hold him accountable the same way that, um, even voters that thought that COVID lockdowns made a lot of sense two years ago. If they're feeling pain right now, that's that's what's going to show up at the ballot box. And oh, by the way, at the margin, every 
one of those people that Biden insisted get fired for refusing to get vaccinated, I guarantee you they're going to show up almost to a person. And at the margin, in a midterm election, um, this is why this is the only reason we're out of the lockdowns right now. The Democrats are freaking out that, yeah. that they're just going to get totally clobbered. Yeah, and they are going to get clobbered. I, mean, I don't think there's anything they can do that results in them not being massacred personally. Even though Biden had an uptick in his polling because of the war, you know, it's still going to be a, a bloodbath. But also, did you? I mean, you probably watched the State of the Union, right? Yep. Ugh. As awful as it was, as boring as it was, but. I couldn't believe the shit that Biden was taking credit for. You know, right. the, the Biden boom economy. Oh, we, the the most jobs added in history. It's like, well, yeah. When you destroy the economy, when you loosen restrictions up, when you actually allow people to go back to work, naturally you're going to have a huge influx of jobs again. And this is what you're this is what you're saying is like what you're you're hanging your hat on. It's just insanity. And I, I can't think anybody's buying it. But maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it, it's a, it it's a perfect, it. it's a perfect example of what I was talking about is like, um, and it goes back to kind of the war propaganda. I'm, I'm an economist and, and I actually worked at the Republican national committee right out of graduate school. And it was my job to try to polish the turd that was the George H W Bush economy. <laughs> and it was, it was very difficult to do. Um, but the fact of the matter is, and, and James Carvel said this. Is that, is that why? Is that why the mustache wax got applied? You're like, I need a lot of wax to polish this turd, and it yeah. just stayed. <laughs> um, you, you remember James Carvel in that oh, election? Yeah. It's the economy stupid, mm-hmm. and he's not talking about the the jobs numbers. He's talking about how voters actually feel. Are they employed? Are they feeling optimistic about their children? Are they thinking? that they're going to be able to afford to buy that new car that they've been saving for for five years? Are they going to be able to fill the tank when that actually happens? Um, There are a lot of Biden policies that are responsible for this stuff. There's also a lot of Republican policies that preceded it that are responsible for that stuff. But the fact of the matter is um, that the Democrats will be held accountable because they're in charge. And on top of that, they own COVID lockdowns. this is the president who said, um, prepare for a winter of suffering and death, I believe was the quote. Yep. Yep. And, and dude, that it was such a, such a dumb thing that even Democrats used to understand. And I, I think James Carville to this day has been railing at them about, about political correctness and cancel culture. And he should probably give them a, talk on why the economy actually matters in elections. Hey guys, I want to take a quick commercial break to tell you about something you should already know about, which is IP Vanish VPN. IP Vanish, of course, is one of the top names in the business when it comes to protecting your privacy. They have a 4.65 rating on Trustpilot and I don't go anywhere online without turning on that mode because incognito mode doesn't protect you. So what I do, go into IP Vanish. Quick flick of a switch, and I am protected. My passwords, my accounts, I'm protected from my own ISP and protected from advertisers. So what you can do is use this across any platform, your stick, your tablet, your PC, your phone, and don't sacrifice any speed for it. Now, the great thing, too, about IP Vanish is that you can get 70% off right now just by going to IPVanish.com forward slash Lions and use promo code Lions. Basically, you're getting nine months free by using that. Again, IPVanish.com forward slash lions, promo code lions. Make sure to protect yourself, protect your family, protect your passwords, protect your privacy from the peeping eyes of the perverts. Again, ipvanish.com forward slash lions, promo code lions. Yeah. Um, So in regards to COVID, I want to run a a conspiracy theory by you. I was thinking about. So let's come up with the the most toxic conspiracy theory (laughs) to see if your show gets removed. Pretty good. So I was thinking, like, China just locked down again. 51 million people because of Delcromicron, uh, whatever croissant variant it is. And I'm looking over there. I'm like, okay, China and Russia are allies. This thing with Russia is kind of going sideways on them. It's getting bad. Do you think that this is all like China's just locking down again? And they're like, "Eh, the variant to take attention off of this situation and kind of diffuse a potential nuclear holocaust? I I do like. Yes, that and and one that the control is intoxicating because the longer 
you sort of condition people to put up with this kind of thing. And, and China of course is, is a masterclass in, oh, yeah. in controlling um, people and turning um, otherwise free people into compliant zombies. Um, but I think, I think the, you know, the, the conspiracy theory that I would suggest, which I don't think is, is all that conspiratorial at all is that um, uh, something that, that, that Glenn Beck talks about. And he's been, he's been warning about the great reset for a long time. And you really saw the worst fears come out in Trudeau's response to the Canadian truckers. Um, and it, it, it is 100% social credit system from the Chinese communist authoritarian government's playbook um, because ultimately they want to control your finances so that they can pull the plug. Like if you misbehave, if you speak up against the government, if you don't do the right things, and maybe that means standing in line for a COVID test, you've probably seen these pictures of mm-hmm. people standing in line for hours and hours on end in China, that the, the, the result is I'm, I'm going to take your money away from you. And that's exactly what Trudeau did in Canada to the truckers. And these are essentially citizen protesters um, who could at best be deemed his political opponents uh, last time I checked that when you when you uh, jail your your political opponents without bail, when you seize their assets without a trial, that's the very definition of authoritarianism. I don't see a bright line between that and what China does. And I think that's the scary thing about what's going on right now. they've They've developed this infrastructure of control. Um, Covid was sort of the beta test. But but now we have this this incredible onslaught of 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 seizing the assets without without trial without any due process of so called Russian oligarchs. Mm, I don't even yeah. know who these I don't even know who these guys are. Yeah, how um, do we we have no proof that they've done anything in regards to Putin or the war, and yet let's seize their yachts and seize their yeah. assets. Yeah, for all I know, they're they're actually working on the inside to 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 stop this because it's bad for business, right? Yeah. Um, if, if I'm an oligarch and I have this, this crony relationship with the government, um, maybe probably last, oil based by the way, yeah, you know, oil based. And, and now you have all of these sanctions. Um, but, but either way, like you have this, this incredibly dangerous infrastructure and today the cause is freeing Ukraine and stopping Putin's invasion, arguably a very righteous cause tomorrow. It might be climate change mm-hmm. and you might end up with this same infrastructure where the banks and the social media companies and all that say, you know what, we're going to shut down anyone that doesn't comply. And all of that weaponry of, of technology could be turned on the United States. Yeah, precisely. Well, and there was uh, actually it was and I'm blanking on his name. One of the PMs from uh, the UK was at the event we were at the Austrian Economics Forum. Uh, or that Austrian Economics Conference. And he recently had railed against the digital country-backed currencies because in the UK, they were trying to put in measures where they could literally turn off your access. If there was a climate crisis, they could limit how much gas you could buy. They could limit how much bread you can buy. They could limit how, you know, and essentially with the tracking device we have in cars, they could limit your mileage, how right. far you can travel. They could put right. on quotas. Got my dog's clawing at the door. Um, so, yeah, it's it's terrifying. And like you're saying, today it's Ukraine and you have people on The View, Whoopi Goldberg and all these other cronies talking about how we have to investigate for treason, Tucker Carlson and Tulsi Gabbard for daring to push Russian propaganda. Okay, well, if they get investigated by the DOJ, we know the FBI, we know the CIA, like they can shut people's access to their bank accounts off. They do it constantly for drug dealers. It's a fungible definition of criminal when you get into this realm. Yeah. And, uh, and we, you know, we haven't picked on Mitt Romney yet, but we probably should, but, oh yeah, but, but preface this by saying, um, and I watched Tulsi's video, but I'm, I'm, I'm not a foreign policy expert. I've, I've been to a lot of these countries and I've thought about this and I have a libertarian framework for sort of filtering this stuff. But, um, Glenn Greenwald wrote an excellent piece. Um, so much of his stuff is excellent, but he wrote an excellent piece explaining the technical meaning of treason going all the way back to the founders. Um, it is a very specific term that has 
along with it the most the most significant punishments. You you could be punished uh, by death for committing treason against the United States. Uh, but we've become so sloppy with our language, and mm-hmm. and this this well, may intentionally all- intentionally yeah. sloppy. I would argue. Um, and you know Mitt Romney calling it. You know it, I guess it's sort of ironic that Mitt Romney who uh, didn't serve. Uh, calls Tulsi Gabbard, who served in Iraq, uh, treasonous for raising questions that even the the uh, um, Department of State acknowledged to Marco Rubio that that these bio labs do in fact exist. Um, yeah. And you know, and, they, you, and that they don't know what the scientists are necessarily doing in them. Right. <laughs> that was my favorite part of that quote. He's like, you know, scientists are going to scientists. You're like. What the fuck does that mean? Right. <laughs> are you talking about them fucking? Or are you talking about them making Ebola? <laughs> it's 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 sort of. Um, I was about to say funny, but it's not funny at all. But <laughs> like this all feels like the last James Bond movie, and and we now know for certain that um, I shouldn't say ever say certain, but but there's there's plenty of evidence to suggest that that we were financing uh, the manipulation of deadly viruses in Wuhan. Mm-hmm. So why wouldn't we imagine that the same thing was going on in Ukraine? And I've I've read enough now. There's 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 enough evidence that, and including the State Department official that actually said, "Yeah, we're doing it, um, and we're worried about it." Um, that we should take it seriously. So that's that's all that Tulsi Gabbard said. And Mitt Romney, in response, called her treasonous. I'm like. That doesn't even make sense to me. Like you, you're you're treasonous if you're not worried about the fact that we're about to hand over bioweapons right. to a hostile country. Maybe that's the part that's dangerous. Yeah, and to say it's treasonous, okay, she's voicing a concern. In what con- in what possible context is voicing a concern, as you said, about the the future of the country, about the dangers within? Uh, in any way treason. I mean, treason to me is plotting against your own yeah. country, tangibly plotting, provably plotting, voicing opposition. I mean, this is Russia. Russia jailed, you know, thousands of people for voicing a, uh, in opposition to the war. And yet here we are calling for the exact same thing here. Yeah. And it's, it's been, um, it, it feels like, and again, this is probably a social media effect, but it feels like we've escalated our rhetoric on all sorts of things, you know, um, people that um, didn't vote for Hillary Clinton were literally fascists. Right. Um, if you were questioning the wisdom of a vaccine mandate, you were a science denier. And then the word denier, of course, has a very loaded Holocausty feel to yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and we just cast that stuff out. And I, I think, again, I'm going to try to find an upside to the downside. I think that turns off a lot of people who are naturally curious. And I think it, it flags in people's minds. Like when people are using that kind of rhetoric, what are they really up to? Um, Mm -hmm. Because they definitely don't want you to um, consider the arguments and the facts and the, in the competing positions on any, any debates. And, you know, I, I think it might work in the short run, but I think in the long run, it pushes people away from the machine and I think that's one of the reasons they're so hysterical right now is I think I think they're losing uh, grip the grip of the narrative, and it's it's a little bit like whack-a-mole. And I, I was always I mean we've talked about this many times. I was always a kind of a romantic about about technology and social media liberating um, and democratizing knowledge and people's ability to think for themselves. I still think that's true, and I think that. Um, this hysterical and authoritarian response from big social media companies, very much, very much dictated by the government itself, oh, yeah. is is just their version of whack-a-mole. They're trying to shut us up. They're trying to get us to fall back in line. And there's no way, like the the, the cow's out of the barn, and 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 they are going to ramp up trying to stop us. But I think every time they ramp up, they push more people out of the the loyal um, the loyalist camp into the skeptic camp, and I think I think that's an opportunity specifically for libertarians, but but for anybody that's sort of a I don't know what the word is like a decent human being, mm-hmm. like people that people that don't want to lock people up for making a medical choice or people. 
that don't want all of our children to die in a nuclear war. Like these seem like reasonable middle ground positions to me. You think that should be the number one campaign promise of anybody? No nuclear war, right? Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Everybody wins. Yeah. But you know, it's, it's like talking about the whack-a-mole controlling the narrative. There was a story of like Brian Stetler, you know, obviously CNN's uh, reliable sources, the uh, the monitor of the media. He was in doing a story in a grade school or a million, maybe it was a middle school. They have this nonprofit, quote unquote, nonprofit with all the major media outlets, of course, and the major media outlets work tanning with the government. But they're in there talking about battling misinformation. Now, what does that mean? That just means they're in there telling students, don't believe anything on social media. Don't believe anything outside of the mainstream media and listen solely to us. And I think same way. I think these kids are sitting there and they're rolling their eyes because they're on social media all the time. And they're going, get the fuck out of here, you hack ass motherfucker. Yeah. You know, and getting trained to say, I can't believe this guy. He's clearly lying to me. He's clearly trying to manipulate me. The the, the very idea, and it's, there was, uh, I think it was a Surgeon General, um, but it was a health official in the Biden administration said last week that um, he needed for big tech to step up and start sharing information about who was sharing COVID informa- disinformation, which at this point is particularly absurd because everything the government told us turns out to have either yeah. been... Um, they were just wrong or they were lying to us. Um, one of those two things was true. And, and, and now they're going to go back and punish the people that were right. They were right. Yeah, exactly. They were, they were right the whole time. Well, good luck finding them. They got kicked off of social media. <laughs> Their yeah. accounts are deleted. <laughs> but there was like um, a bunch of people, <laughs> a bunch, I mean, three or four that I'm aware of a significant um, skeptics of lockdowns were, were deplatformed 24 or 48 hours after uh, the Biden administration demanded that they do it. So like they are serving their overlords in that sense. And, and again, like all it does is push people out of this, this, this common place that we would gather, whatever these social media platforms were, at least there was a, there was an ability for people from different perspectives to actually discover that there's people not like them. Um, but if we're all going to sort of hive off into our, little tribal platforms that only allow us. I think, I think that's a horrible thing, but I think, um, and I've had some, some guys on my show recently talking about this. I think, I think blockchain probably is going to create an alternative universe that very quickly puts out, puts, puts current big tech platforms out of business. And I, I think they're destroying their own business models with what they're doing. Yeah, I completely agree, man. I mean, like we've, we've made a big push to go on Odyssey now, which is, of course, like a YouTube, uh, blockchain-based YouTube that doesn't censor, doesn't pull content. And they were, you know, there was a statement by their CEO saying, look, we're not going to censor Ukraine, you know, misinformation. Like DuckDuckGo, the CEO, talk about destroying your search engine overnight. Yeah. DuckDuckGo CEO saying, oh, we're going to flag misinformation. We're going to downrank uh, things that have to do with Russia. It's like, are you fucking crazy, dude? But it's, anyway, we we need to move on, though. We have yes. to talk about the promised debate here uh, between cats and dogs. Yeah, right here. Rourke is losing interest right here. So I, I see. Well, yeah. that's well, that's very libertarian. Uh, all right. Let's let's kick it off because I have my notes. I, we expected Callum to take part in this. But of course, the Prince of Budapest has not joined us. So and we'll it, it was going to be unfair anyway, because he's 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 in camp. uh Libertarian he's in Camp cat. Cats. Yeah. Yeah. He's Camp Cats. All right. So do you want to start off? It's free will. We don't have to do this in standard debate format because yeah. I've got some notes here. So let, give me your, you thought about this a lot. I could tell you've got cats crawling all over you uh, like some sort of uh, a crazy perverted nut. So, so by the way, this is, this is Rourke right there. And, um, you know, all, all cats are libertarians, but they, they may well in fact be objectivists because they, they have that sort of haughty attitude about them, but but <laughs> but, the, but the reality is, you think about cats and dogs. Um, cats, um, y- you have to earn their respect. Um, they will not be your friends unless you prove your worth as a human being. They they don't respect weakness. Um, they don't necessarily. Um, fall in line just because you tell them to do something. In fact, in a very libertarian way, if you tell a cat to do something, they're probably going to do the opposite. Um, this is a fact. 
Um, but you know, my, my bigger beef is with, with dogs. Um, think about, think about dogs. They're always looking for third party affirmation for the, to, to define their self-worth. They want to be patted on the head. Um, you tell me libertarians don't do that. Look, look at the, look at these libertarians out there, you know, looking for a pathetic affirmation, arguing about who's the most libertarian. You're telling me that's not the same thing as these dogs looking for pats on the head. Well, it's, um, but that, that's revealing that those aren't really the true libertarians, right? Those are that's true. That's true. Those, those are the fakertarians or whatever we're calling them right now. <laughs> um, but you know, what, another beef is that dogs, uh, you know, they're always begging for a handout. And if, if you give them an entire bag of food, they will eat an entire bag of food and then they'll barf all over your kitchen. Um, but you know, they, they expect someone to serve them. They expect there to be essentially kind of a welfare program that redistributes your wealth to them. Whereas the cats will go out and kill something and bring it in and say, this is what's for dinner, dad. So that's, that's a thing. And, and here's, here's my final point. Have you ever met a drug sniffing cat? They don't exist because they won't be a useful idiot <laughs> for the big government industrial <laughs> complex, but drug sniffing dogs, uh, well, they will sell you out. <laughs> am I, am I, am I wrong? That's a great, no, that I didn't expect that last argument. That's a really good argument. <laughs> All right. I would say though, to push back, cats do want handouts. Look, my dog at least doesn't scream in my face for its handout. I, I'd say cats are more like, uh, the class that expects their handouts, right? Their their welfare, their social security, and will actively scream in your face if they don't get it, right? You know you've been woken up with your cat yelling in your face. I would say dogs, they will go hunt. They'll get they'll go after their own food. I will say that they will protect what they have better than cats, right? They'll defend private property, their private property. I would also say that they are more respectful of private property of others than cats. Your cat scratches up the curtains, scratches up the couch, sits on your stomach, violates the non-aggression principle, rips your stomach skin off for no reason. You're petting a cat. It just attacks you for no reason. That's not libertarian, man. That's violating every principle. You know, you know it's so funny when I, so this is part of a talk that Terry and I give about cats versus dogs. And I, I just go on and on about about I'm come and heckle you guys the next time you do it. And, and it, <laughs> it's actually a bad position to take if you want to win over the crowd, because particularly in the United States, I think I think dog ownership is like twice that of cat ownership. And and people are like speaking of tribalism, people are so tribal about dogs versus cats. But it's you know, there there's a point to the joke about it. I actually I shouldn't admit this on camera, but I actually like dogs <laughs> uh, as well. Um, <laughs> that's good. It makes you seem fair and balanced. Yeah. And, and, and the, we, Terry and I had dogs when we were kids, but, uh, we travel so much. I, I don't, I think it would be pretty rough to own a dog. Yeah, I it wouldn't be fair. Of, yeah. Fair. For the I don't want to put them in a kennel, but th this all started, um, I guess four years ago. Now I was reading just this horrific article about, uh, Venezuelans who were suf suffering under socialism and, and there had been a huge spike uh, remember Venezuela 20 years ago, 30 years ago was the most prosperous country yeah. in, in Latin America. And there had been a huge spike in pet ownership that tracked that prosperity. And there's actually data out there that, that shows a correlation between personal wealth and prosperity and pet ownership. And pet, pets are like a luxury good item. Um, it, they, they make you feel so good. And it's such a, it's such a precious thing to have a pet. Well, we um, looked at Jeffrey Epstein. Obviously, wealth and pedophilia go together. <laughs> that, that's a that's a totally different thing, I think. <laughs> oh, oh, you said PET. -E okay. <laughs> well, we we should ask Bill Gates about that one, I guess. <laughs> oh, I know. Oh, Melinda, you opened a can of worms there, girl. <laughs> but anyway, sorry. Continue. Continue. But um, fast forward to Chavez and Maduro and and how they've they've devastated that economy. Oh. Uh, hold on, the, the, oh, the Prince man. of Budapest oh, has joined us for the last seven minutes of the podcast. He's, he can defend my <laughs> position on cats. Oh, we, I thought we were starting in two minutes. <laughs> no. You know, you I, know what I, I specifically emailed and said, don't forget the time change in the United States.
Well, I, I did put in there. Well, hello, everyone. Hello, audience. Hey. I'm, uh, well, there, there you go. Dr. Callum Nicholson, a uh, fellow at the Danube Institute in uh, Budapest, has joined us for uh, six minutes. <laughs> oh, well, I'm, I apologize for this. I uh, This is a time zone issue. I've been, uh, yes, uh, I've been traveling around Hungary and I, uh, oh, I thought I had the right time zone. So it's both of you who are wrong, I think. I think, I think it's clearly. I think it's the government. It's daylight savings, right? Because I believe that. Um, Callan's government has a different standard for time than we do, and it just makes it impossible to plan. Let's just blame the government. Yeah, look, Douglas Adams. Douglas Adams said, "Time is an illusion." Lunchtime, doubly so. So, uh, <laughs> uh, well, I can only, I can only apologize. I had it in my. Uh, yes, this is. Uh, I feel very bad, but uh, but hey, uh, short but sweet. So so, Callum, uh, defend me. Um, Brian actually thinks that dogs are more libertarian than cats. And I think that position is ridiculous. Dogs are more libertarian than cats. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll present my argument first. No, I, I fundamentally disagree with this. I think this is a uh, dogs yeah, are right. natural. <laughs> dogs are natural socialists. They like everything provided for them. They're not independent at all. Cats, they go out and they hunt and they, they, dogs they don't, they don't need to. What do you, what do you no, think dogs intentionally. do in the wild? I'm not sure this is. Uh, I don't think you and I have encountered the same sort of uh, of dogs here because the uh, I have I, I have cats and cats are vicious killers. Violate the non-aggressive print, non-aggressive print. No, no, no. They 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 earn their keep. Is I think I think what that is. Yeah. It's they did. Yes. Uh, it, it's it's sort of the traitor principle. I think Ayn Rand talked about this. Oh, by the way, this this is my 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 coup de gras argument is that Ayn Rand was a cat person and she actually wrote an article, uh, a letter to Cat Fancy, explaining why it was rational to like cats. Is it really rational to like cats? I mean, I, I it- find that uh, I keep <laughs> I keep asking myself, no, because I love cats, but I feel it's a deeply irrational impulse that I'm very. I'm, but I will, I will, I will die on the hill of defending. Uh, I, first of all, I should say I'm very upset that I've missed this because I was really looking forward to this particular conversation. Right, we'll do it. Don't worry, we'll do it again. There, there'll be there'll yeah. be other opportunities. Don't worry, we'll do it again. Can, can, is, we, can we go? Can we do like a bonus episode? So the way that Bill Maher does, where we just keep arguing about this. this we could. Fun. I mean, the, the problem is I have to go get my daughter from daycare. Uh, oh. I've an, I've an appointment at three forty five now because apparently my two year old they they think she might have a UTI, a little sexually promiscuous skank. So I got to go pick her up and uh, take her to the doctor. So uh, that's my problem. But we could we could do an extra half hour. I might have to pee before, but we could do a little bonus episode. So we could do that. But wait, oh. let me make let me make one argument before on the on the main show before we cut to the bonus. I want to say this about dogs, right? Everybody shits on dogs. They say, oh, you're know, looking for third party uh, encouragement, right? Handouts. Oh, they're just loyal. Yeah, whatever. I would say this. Hey, what's a basic bedrock principle of libertarianism, right? You make a contract, you stick to the contract, you have an agreement. Dogs stick to the contract. Cats, they don't give a shit about any contract. Good luck getting no, arbitration no, with a cat. Oh, you're missing something. Though. The cat is smart enough not to have signed a contract in the first place. Yeah, It's the basics of society, though. You have to have contracts. No, but but <laughs> but, but cats are classic libertarians that don't believe in society. Is that not the? Mm. Oh, is that is that not the point? Yeah, they. Um, That's a good point. A contract is a binding. A contract limits your freedom. Uh, so I think the cats are. Uh, I should say this is a very personal uh, story for me or, or topic because I like I have cats and I'm very proud of the cats I've got. They're great cats. And I came to Hungary and I have a wonderful time in Hungary. But there's a deep prejudice here against uh, if there's a guy who says he likes cats and they say, well, you can't trust someone who likes cats. And and I find this, and I thought, you know what? I'm going to die on this hill, and I I have basically died on that hill. I've I've defended my uh, <laughs> Un- unhirable in Hungary. <laughs> no, but I'm very loyal to this idea of of uh, no. I think cats are great. They're they're, they're they they the thing is the good thing about cats they make you um uh work make an effort for them. They don't make an effort for you, and I find that humbling. I I mean I I understand that right. I understand it. But maybe maybe that's my problem with most libertarians is that libertarians do not make an effort so much to be liked by other people. And it sets us back as a as a culture. Right. Whereas, you know, dogs, they do want to be liked. They want to be social. They want to be creatures that are active. But I also think that plays into them also respecting private property rights more. Your dog well, this, knows 
don't violate right. my private property rights. I was telling Matt about this. Your cat will violate the shit out of your private property. They don't give it. Knocking off cups and yeah. saucers off the chairs, knocking things on the floor, shredding all of your good clothes, shredding your couch. But maybe the, cat, maybe the cat already believes um, that all of your property is its property and that you are merely the surf serving the cat. So now it's so now I the cat is presuming the things that I have homesteaded are the cats. That's again no, no, very no. anti Oh no, you misunderstand the relationship with the cat. Uh, you are not the master; you are the slave. This is the the situation. <laughs> yeah, the, the cat yeah, is very much exactly. Yeah, again, how is this libertarian? <laughs> well, the cat. I mean, from the cat's perspective, it is. Yeah, well, <laughs> it's 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 the same relationship that that one has with a wife, for instance. Um, it's, uh, it's, you're kind of like her bitch and she owns everything, even though you might've earned some of it yourself. Um, I feel like cats are the same thing and, but that's a voluntary association kind of situation. There, there are no takings in that, in that relationship. Yeah, that's true. All right. We've got to end this podcast. I'm going to play the outro music. Then we'll do a bonus. I'm going to go to the bathroom after it, but I'm going to play the outro music. We'll do a bonus now that Callum has joined us and yeah. uh, we'll, don't worry, but we'll do another episode with the three of us again, because these are enjoyable. And, uh, and obviously America is going to get rid of its, by the way, time zone changes. It, it's getting rid of the daylight savings time. Supposedly the yeah. Senate passed a bill. All I hope Biden's got to do is sign it. That's true. I hope you have thick curtains. That's all I'll uh, say. I, I don't have cats. I can have thick curtains. <laughs> Boom! Oh, touché. Touché. Oh, that's, a good, that's a good point. That's a good mic drop. <laughs> so, uh, again, this is Private Williams from Alliance Liberty Electric, Liberty Land, thanking Matt KB for joining me from Free the People and KB on Liberty, and Dr. Callum Nicholson for joining us at the very end of it from the uh, a fellow at the Danube Institute. We'll do this again. And uh, the bonus show, of course, is at our Patreon, patreon.com forward slash Lions of Liberty. All right, guys. Always stay plugged into liberty.